0: The door of the office swung open with an ominous creak, and the person on the other side was not at all what I had expected. A small, almost diminutive woman peered up at me with large eyes, magnified through a pair of oversized glasses with bright orange rims that clashed horribly with her red lipstick. She stood stoically in the doorway as if waiting for me to speak. So I did. Hi there, I said sheepishly, but she continued to stare silently. Her glasses magnified her eyes so much that I could almost hear her blinks. Um, Hi, I'm Saturday Shepherd, and I'm supposed to meet Miss Moran. I received this letter. I hastily pulled the piece of paper out of my pocket and offered it to her. She took one look at the crumpled letter, but didn't take it. Instead, she turned on the spot, and without so much as inviting me in, returned to her small desk in the middle of the room. "'Mallory, your ten o'clock is here,' she said in a loud, nasally voice. The woman's tiny desk in the center of the room was covered in an assortment of newspapers and coffee-stained magazines. A small placard on her desk read, "'Miss V. Poole.' An empty chair sat against the wall, and I thought it best to take a seat while I was waiting. Before I could sit, I noticed a picture on the wall out of the corner of my eye. It was a small picture in a cheap wood frame, noticeably missing its glass." There were three people in the photo, and none of them were familiar to me. But something about the photo tickled a feeling of a long-forgotten memory in the back of my mind. When I tried focusing on the memory, it seemed to flee from me like water through my fingers. I pulled myself away from the photo when I heard the door behind me open. Hastily, I straightened my tie, took a deep breath, and turned, just in time to see the door swing open so quickly it sent papers flying off Miss Poole's desk and she glared at the man who stepped into the room. "'Thank you, Vi,' the man said, as he covered the distance to me in a single step, offering his hand, and I shook it. "'Saturday Shepherd, I'm Mallory Moran.' "'Oh, I'm sorry,' I said before I could stop myself. "'Sorry for thinking I was going to be a woman? "'Don't give it another thought. "'My parents, like yours, had quite a sense of humor. "'Nice to meet you,' I said making a concerted effort to force the look of surprise from my face. Indeed, indeed, please, let's step into my office. Violet, hold most of my calls, Mallory said. I was ushered into his office. Mallory wasn't what I had been expecting, and not just because he was a man. Mallory was tall and lean, with a powerful handshake and unexpectedly rough hands. I couldn't quite put an age to him, but if pressed, I would have guessed he was in his early 50s. Mallory had his long gray hair pulled back into a ponytail, and walked with an apparent stiffness in his right leg. He was wearing black slacks with a button-down shirt of the same color. His sleeves were rolled up to his elbows. Mallory's office was an absolute disaster. It was not large, but it was covered wall-to-wall with an assortment of books, many of them losing their bindings and covered in a layer of dust. It had the smell and wistfulness of an old bookstore that my grandparents liked to drag me to on the weekends. Mallory's desk much like his secretaries, was covered in papers and, oddly enough, fortune cookie wrappers. The single wall not covered by a bookshelf was adorned with numerous photographs held in place by colorful pushpins, like something out of a detective movie. "'Please won't you have a seat?' said Mallory, as he lifted a stack of books and papers from a chair. Hesitantly, I obliged him and sat down. Mallory pushed a stack of papers back just enough to make room for himself to sit on the edge of his desk. "'There we go.' Mallory continued. Now, Mr. Saturday, why don't you tell me a bit about yourself? I sat up as straight as possible, trying my best to work some moisture back into my mouth. Well, um, my name is Saturday Shepard. Obviously, you know that. I'm a New Yorker, born and raised. I live in the Bronx. I'm a junior at Stanley Claremont High. I want to study law, become an attorney, just like my dad. I'm looking for an internship that will allow me to get some experience before I go off to college next year. I hesitated for a moment, trying to think of anything else I could say. I, uh, I like to play video games with my friends, and I guess that's about it. I see, said Mallory, seemingly giving me a moment to be sure that I was finished. You just gave a summation of your entire life in five sentences. Sorry, I don't know what else to say. Uh, This is my first interview, I said, immediately regretting adding that last part. No need to apologize, Mallory said holding up his hands to reassure me. Brevity is sometimes best. And honestly, when you think about it, life really is just a series of sentences. We live, we die, and at the end of it, someone is tasked with summing up our lives for us. An unenviable task, to be sure. The best that we can hope for is that those sentences contain as many verbs as possible. Would you like a fortune cookie? Mallory reached across his desk and pulled a fortune cookie out of a drawer and offered it to me. Uh, thanks, I said, caught off guard, taking the cookie from him. I lifted my grandfather's briefcase into my lap and fumbled with the tarnished brass clasps. With a click, the briefcase popped open, and I reached in and pulled out a stack of documents and handed them over to Mallory. Here's my resume and the family tree that you requested. Wonderful, said Mallory, holding the neatly stacked and paper-clipped sheets of paper in front of him and glancing over them for a few moments in silence. Tell me about your parents, Saturday. To be honest, I don't know much about them, really. I was raised by my grandparents. Would you like to know about them instead? I see. Well, that won't be necessary. If you don't mind me asking, what happened to your parents? My mom passed before I was born, and I never knew my dad. I am very sorry to hear that. It's never easy to lose a parent, no matter your age said Mallory, tapping his chin absent-mindedly, An interesting name, Saturday. How did you come by it? This was a question I was asked more than any other. Believe it or not, my mom decided to name me after the day of the week I was born. She thought it would give me a character to have an unusual name. I used to try and go by David, my middle name, but it never caught on. Your name fits you. Wear it proudly, Mallory said. You haven't opened your cookie yet. Eat up. It's good luck. Sorry, I said, opening the cookie and placing the wrapper in my pocket. The cookie snapped in too easily. A small white piece of paper slid free of the cookie and I held it up to read it. As I did, I could sense Mallory move around to peer over my shoulder. Fear foils fortune, fate favors ferocity, Mallory read aloud. Oh, that is a good one. Is it? I asked. What does it mean? Well, a fortune can have many meanings, but I believe it to be telling you that fate shines on men of action said Mallory, and then he added under his breath. I would agree, wouldn't you? Sure, I mean, most of my favorite characters are all about action. Mallory smiled, and it appeared genuine. Good, that's good. Mallory's posture shifted. Now, Saturday, I need to tell you, Mallory was interrupted when his office door was thrown open. Violet, said Mallory as he stood abruptly. I'm still meeting with our candidate. Sorry, Mallory, the small woman said in her nasally voice. You have a hysterical client here. She says her daughter's been taken. Excuse me one moment, Mallory said. Of course, I said, rising out of my chair. Keep your seat. Mallory patted my shoulder as he passed by and stepped out into the foyer. I sank back into the chair. It was impossible for me to not hear bits and pieces of the conversation coming from the other room. A woman was talking rapidly in Spanish, and I couldn't understand a word. I was too nervous to just sit there, and my legs were starting to shake a bit. So I started pacing around the small office, trying to find something to distract me. I couldn't help but wonder why someone would come to a lawyer, instead of the police, if their daughter had been kidnapped. I've seen my fair share of law and order, but I'm pretty sure that's not how it works in the real world. Beads of sweat trickled down my face, and I could feel my heart beating more rapidly in my chest. A common occurrence when I became overly restless, so I forced myself to stop pacing. I focused on a collage of pictures, adorning the walls, The pictures were of Mallory with an assortment of other people. In the center of all the photos was a torn-out page of a book that had been stuck to the wall with a single black pushpin. It was a quote from Dylan Thomas. I hold a beast, an angel, and a madman in me. Saturday, would you join us? Mallory asked from the other room, causing me to jump in surprise, as if I'd been caught doing something I shouldn't have. Before walking into the other room, I thoughtlessly stuffed the other half of the fortune cookie into my mouth. "'Yes, sir?' I asked nervously, my mouth now awkwardly full of cookie crumbs. "'A small Hispanic woman, a small Hispanic woman, only slightly taller than Violet, was speaking to Mallory. "'Her eyes were red and bloodshot. Her face was pale and strained. "'Miss Alvarez was just filling me in on the circumstance of her situation. "'She was given my information by a former client and needs our services. "'I would very much like for you to accompany me. It would be a trial run of sorts.' What do you say? Come with you to find her daughter? I mean, I wouldn't want to get in the way, I said, feeling overdressed for a rescue mission and hopelessly unprepared. Nonsense, said Mallory. Meanwhile, I was struggling to even process the request, so I hesitated for a moment, which Mallory took for acquiescence. Wonderful. It's settled then. We can finalize your paperwork on the way. While I'm certain I know exactly where to find her daughter, we should act promptly. Paperwork? I asked, which seems like a silly question, when I should have asked if he was out of his mind. Onboarding paperwork, Violet answered. Liability waiver in the event of maiming or death, etc. I'm sorry, did you say maiming or death? I asked, my voice squeaking out a high note that caught even me by surprise. And etc., Violet corrected. Mrs. Alvarez, worry yourself not. Your daughter shall be returned safely post-haste, Mallory said. Putting his hand around my shoulder and shuffling me out through the door. Tohia tesera de vuelta. Mallory grabbed his jacket off of a hanger beside the door and slid his arms into it as he walked out into the hallway and back into the restaurant. The kitchen was busier than it had been earlier. A heavy set Chinese man wearing a dirty white apron stood over a piping hot wok cooking greasy noodles. Mallory reached into a plastic bucket and pulled out a pair of chopsticks. He deftly used the sticks to pick up a steaming hot dumpling out of a metal bowl, which he ate as he walked into the dining area, offering a friendly pat on the back to the cook and a half-smile to the woman I had met earlier. Back out onto the street, Mallory led us to a black sports car that was parked nearby, its windows fully tinted. I realize owning your own car in the city is completely impractical, Mallory explained, but carrying some of my equipment on mass transit is frowned upon. I did my best to swallow down the bubble of fear that I was making a terrible mistake and got into the passenger seat of the car. Mallory started the ignition and peeled out onto the street. The interior of the car was immaculate, which was surprising given the state of Mallory's office, and it held some of that new car smell. Riding in the clean car was pleasant considering I was used to the smells of the bus, which often had a certain urine-like quality to them. We drove in silence for a few moments before I mustered the courage to speak up. Can I ask you a question about the job? Mallory kept his eyes on the road, but reached back into the seat with his right hand. I would say that this is an appropriate time for that. When he pulled his hand back, it held a clipboard with some papers and pen attached. If you would be inclined, I would appreciate it if you filled these out while we talked. I scanned over the paperwork. It was a lot of legal jargon that I really couldn't comprehend. The areas where I needed to sign an initial were clearly marked with neon tape. Miss Poole mentioned something about maiming and death? Is that likely? I asked, half joking, half terrified. Today, no, probably not, Mallory answered simply. What kind of lawyer are you, Mr. Moran? I asked. Mallory reached up and absent mindedly adjusted the rearview mirror. I am no kind of lawyer, Saturday. I'm a special investigator of sorts, said Mallory. I work on referral base only. I don't do billboards or ads. In fact, it's only when my clients need me that they know anything about me. Everything now made much more sense, and I would be lying if I said I wasn't a little relieved. I can now turn down the job with no regrets. It's not that I wasn't grateful. Of course, it's just that this dude, Mallory Moran, was a little eccentric for my tastes. So you investigate kidnappings? I asked. Among other things, answered Mallory. Mr. Moran, I started, and then after a look from Mallory, corrected myself. Sorry, I mean, Mallory, I really appreciate the opportunity, but I think there's been a mistake. This isn't the kind of job I'm looking for, so if you could just let me out here, I can take the bus back home. Mallory hit the brakes and the car squealed to an abrupt stop. Tires screeched and horns blared from cars sliding to a stop behind us as we blocked the road. I turned my head slowly, expecting to find Mallory furious, but instead he was smiling. How about this? If you accompany me for this one thing, I promise you will want this job. If you don't, I will drive you back to your grandparents, no worse for the wear, and I'll even pay you for the day. Deal? For a few seconds, I contemplated his offer. My deliberation was brief as I was spurred on by the blaring horns from the other drivers behind us. I agreed, and as soon as I did, Mallory hit the gas pedal and the car sped off toward our destination, with me gripping the door handle and really hoping I at least lived to regret my decision. I was smart enough to know better than to ask, what's the worst that can happen? Because I was terrified of the answer. Mallory drove to the FDR and took it north towards Harlem, weaving the car in and out of traffic. It wasn't erratic, not exactly, but I couldn't help but read a little more concern on Mallory's face than had been there earlier. "'Do you think you could find her?' I asked, if for no other reason than to break the silence. Mallory glanced at me and then back onto the road, before swerving into the left lane and quickly speeding around a truck, and then back to the right lane without even looking to see if the way was clear." My foot unconsciously stamped down on the non-existent brake on my side of the car, and I pressed myself back into the warm leather seat. The only predictable behavior of the people that we are dealing with is that they are unpredictable. The girl should be fine, but best not to dawdle, Mallory said. Before long, we exited the FDR and found ourselves on some side street in a part of Harlem that I, with good reason, had never visited. Mallory pulled the car off onto an overgrown slab of concrete, next to what looked to be an abandoned warehouse of some sort. The building appeared to have served as a canvas for some of the city street artists as nearly every inch of it had been tagged and many of the once vibrant colors had now faded. Windows on all levels were broken. The only remnants of the glass were like jagged teeth. This part of town was one of the last remaining holdouts in a gentrified New York, a New York of old that I had missed out on. Across from the building was an overpass with steel construction fencing that looked to have been in place for years and beyond that was the Harlem River. Trash littered the streets and the broken-up sidewalks. From here on Saturday, it's best if you stay close and let me do all the talking. Do as I say, and this will be nothing more than a great learning experience for you, Mallory said, exiting the car. I followed him, but with great apprehension. Mallory stepped to the back of the car and popped the trunk. Inside was a large brown duffel bag with numerous straps and zippers. He hefted it up out of the trunk and handed it to me. The bag was heavy and solid, so I placed a strap across my shoulder to support its weight. You are the guardian of my duffel bag, Mallory said. And one more piece of advice before we go in. If things take a turn for the worse, do not run. You couldn't outrun them anyway. It's better to stand and fight. Perhaps they would respect that enough to let you live. It's difficult to say with them, but either way, don't run. Let's go. A sense of foreboding hit my stomach like a brick as we cross the street toward the fenced-off overpass.